How's everyone doing? Amen. I read about this morning. I just can't, just love gathering with you guys, just uh, worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Just a sweet thing to be here with you this morning. Um, Sarah, you led well. Kevin, man, thank you so much. And, and Arnold on the guitar, just uh, felt like the Spirit was present. Uh, we're going to continue to uh, walk through the, the Gospel of Mark. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles and you want to open Matthew 7, uh, that's where we'll be at. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 6. Um, and today we talk about a topic that, you know, if, if we're honest, um, it's probably one of those topics we go, you know, that doesn't really make me feel too good. I don't really like it. We're going to talk about judgment. And I imagine when we hear that word, a lot of us probably have some preconceived notion of what judgment is or what judgment looks like. If you're a husband or a spouse or a wife, um, you probably felt like maybe you were judged once or twice. And, and sometimes you want to drop the hammer and judge your spouse for what they did. Um, it, it's pretty interesting. If you were to hop on Google and search uh, shows about judgment, movie about judgment, there's just a plethora of stuff that comes up. Like there's 50 top movies about judgment. There's all kinds of different shows about judgment. There's Judge Judy. Anybody ever watch that? Any, once or twice, Judge Brown. Um, there's X Factor, American Idol. And so it's kind of like we as humans have this infatuation with judgment or the idea of judgment. We create shows about it. We make people into millionaires about if they can make a good show about judgment. And so there's, there's something that draws us to it. There's a reason why we gravitate toward it. There's a reason why we make shows. There's a reason why we talk about it. There's a reason why we make movies. And so today we're going to look at the idea of judgment. Because here's the thing. In the gospel of Jesus Christ is this profound reality where judgment is behind us. Like if we were on the show American Idol and we stood before Jesus, we wouldn't receive it. We would win the reward. We would be the American Idol, uh, which ironically is... Unfortunately, uh, the term idol, those of you who are a little bit more biblically illiterate, understand that. But if we were to stand before Jesus Christ, we would see that Jesus has lifted the burden of judgment off of us. And so the passage we read today is a little bit tough, a little bit hard to digest. But we'll see as we unpack it that Jesus actually takes the weight of judgment off of us, both past and present, and he has put it on himself. And so... When we watch these shows about judgment, we can say that is not something that we will experience. Because we have believed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can refer to judgment in the past tense. Jesus has, re Jesus has freed you from judgment. Okay? Jesus has freed you from judgment. You know, when I, we watch Judge Judy, one of the things that I, when I watch those shows is I want to see the person, the evil person, because they always have a good guy and a bad guy, right? That's the way the plot usually lines up. That's where we get the tension, is there's a good guy and a bad guy. I always want to see the bad guy get the hammer dropped on him. Like, I want to see, like, maybe an implosion. I want to see the righteous person get what they deserve, and the bad guy get what they deserve. It, no one else is there with me? No, no I can't get amen? No one else, right? You guys are like, ah, the bad guy can win. I hate those movies. When the bad, I mean, wrap it up nice and tight. Give me a good ending. Give me an ending where the righteous guy lives. And what, if, if we were to watch our court case unfold, it would infuriate us. We would be angry because the righteous guy is the one who got judged. And the one, the criminal, is the one who gets let off. 
And so Jesus has taken our punishment and our judgment, the righteous guy. And if so, if someone made a movie about that, we would say, I don't like that. It would probably get poor reviews. And so Jesus has taken upon himself your judgment. He has freed you from the condemnation and the punishment that we deserve, rightfully, right? We've earned it, and he has put it upon himself. So when we go through the text today, I want us to have in the back of our mind how Jesus has freed us from the idea of judgment, all right? So it doesn't need to be something that we need to be shy from. It's a difficult text. I get it. It's something that we might wrestle with, something we might not want to interact with. But we're going to dive into Matthew chapter 7, verses 1. Are we ready? Let's read verses 1 together. Judge not that you be not judged. Amen. That's awesome. Judge not that you be not judged. Judge not. So here Jesus is saying something that's pretty profound, right? He's saying, don't judge. Right? I mean, that doesn't get much simpler than that. Don't judge. But we have this disposition, if we're honest, to want to judge. We have shows. We have movies. When we're in public with people and we see someone that doesn't look like us, we have a disposition to, to judge, if we're honest. And Jesus is saying here, don't judge. And so I suppose we should probably say, what, what, what's the idea? I mean, you guys probably have a general idea, but just so we're on the same page of what judgment is, what, what it means to judge someone. And so to judge someone means to maybe look upon them with an eye of scrutiny, right? I mean, we kind of get that. To judge somebody is to have a concluding act in our mind. When we look at somebody and we judge them, we are looking through them at them with a lens of scrutiny and saying, this is how they are and this is who they are. So the idea of judging or judgment is something that brings about a conclusion or an end, right? So if a criminal goes before the judge and receives a judgment, that is a defining or final act, right? So when we judge somebody, we're saying something definitive about them. We're saying that something is coming to a conclusion. We're looking at someone through a lens that Jesus is saying you don't have to look at them through. Jesus is saying don't judge people. Don't look upon somebody with an idea of judgment. And so the question for you and me is why do we judge others? Why would we judge others? And the simple thing is, is because there's something within us that drives us to. And that something, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, is called sin. We have within us a disposition to sin. We have felt the consequences to sin. We've experienced sin both against us and through us. We have done things that have broken God's law, and we have felt the consequences of that. We feel it in hurt and grief and anxiety and pain. Jesus just talked about in chapter 6 about anxiety, right? Do you think that's a coincidence? Jesus is now talking about what brings us anxiety. We know within us there's this wrestle. We're being judged. We know we're going to be judged. We're feeling the effects of sin. We're going to experience judgment, both in the giving and the receiving, unless we believe in what Jesus has said. And that's that Jesus sets us free from judgment. So if we believe the truth of what Jesus is saying, we don't have to be anxious about judgment. So we can lay down judging and know practically that we won't be judged. Does that make sense? So if we can set down our disposition to judge, then we know that we will never be judged, and it becomes something that's in the past tense. And so for us, the reason why we tend to judge is because we've experienced pain. People who judge, 
are really people who haven't experienced the grace of Jesus Christ yet. They haven't experienced Jesus' ability to heal and to restore. And so we're looking for a way to feel better about ourselves. And so we judge people. Kind of like that schoolyard bully that looks at somebody, maybe taunts them, some way to build their self up. And so when Jesus says, don't judge, he's acknowledging the human disposition to judge. I mean, let's, let's be honest. We've judged. I know I've judged. You guys are like, no. I've never judged anyone my whole life. Okay, apparently I'm the only one that has judged someone. All right? I'm judging you guys right now <laughs> because, like, no, you're by yourself. Yeah, I'm all by myself up here, so I'll just be, but we have, we have judged somebody, and one of the reasons why Jesus says don't to judge is because if judgment is a concluding or a final act, when we judge somebody, what we're essentially doing is we're severing our relationship with them, and so Jesus, the Savior who hung upon the cross, who received on that cross, your punishment and your judgment has said that he has set you free. He has said, if you trust and believe in him and receive him as your Lord and Savior, you will be set free. So if judgment is the concluding or final act, Jesus has illustrated to us through his actions that if we want to have a relationship with somebody, we can't judge them. If you want a relationship with somebody, you cannot judge them. So Jesus has not judged you. You guys know a verse called John 3.16? Fairly popular, right? We know it. Well, let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Amen. You see that? God gave his son. But why did he give his son? Verse 17. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that he... Amen. Do you see that? Jesus stepped into the world as a savior. If Jesus stepped into the world as a judge, that would have been it. Finito. You're done. That's it. That's the final act. Jesus stepped into the world as a Savior to show you and me that he says for us to have a relationship with him, we can't be judged. We can't be judged. You can't judge people if you want to have a relationship with them. Do we get that? Do we see that? So Jesus is trying to show you and me practically right now that the way we can know that we won't stand before God someday and receive the, judge, the judgment that we deserve is by not judging people today. Do we see the freedom in that? Are we, are we getting that? I, I just can't wrap my head around that. And here's the beautiful thing. You will know the heart of a person by the way they judge other people. Pretty practical. We, we get that, right? And so when we judge people, what we're really telling them is what kind of person we are. You see, judgment is a window into the heart of a judge. It is. When you judge somebody, you're telling them, hey, this is, this is who I am. Because judgment isn't about the other person. Judgment is about us. We want to believe it's about the other person, but really when we judge people, it's about us. And so when Jesus sits on the throne and judges, he judges from a righteous standpoint. He judges with the evidence and the clear indication that he is a merciful judge, right? Some of you guys are like, man, this, is, this judgment thing is a pretty heavy topic. It's a weighty subject, but look at Jesus' heart. Read verse 2. It says this, for in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. We see the heart of Jesus right there. 
Do you, do you read that? By the way you judged, you will be judged? That, that's crazy. Because <laughs> guess what? I'm letting myself off the hook. Like I, that's like letting the criminal be the judge. We, no court of law does that. N- nowhere. But in Jesus' kingdom, he is saying if you trust and believe and accept him as your Lord and Savior, you can know that you've been set free from your sins and you've received his works, his, his righteousness, so that you won't be judged by not judging people today. So Jesus has taken the weight of judgment upon himself. He has received your punishment. Church, are you seeing that? And so we can pick up the grace that Jesus has given us and know that we have his grace by not having a disposition to judge other people. So when we judge other people, we are functionally saying we are still under the judgment of God. Do you, do you feel the weight of that? Man, I, I don't want to be under the weight of God. But yet I have this inclination to judge people. Uh, I, I did it a couple weeks ago, probably not a couple weeks, maybe a couple months ago. I was driving up to um, a hardware store. And whenever, whenever you're going to the hardware store, you're always in a hurry. Like, I just, when people are in the hardware store, they're so nice. They're like, can I help you? It's like, no, get, just get out of the way. Like, I'm in a hurry. And I know where I'm going. I know what I need. And then you don't. You can't find it. But that's another story. And, uh, and then you, you get it and you end up coming back. And so the, you're always in a hurry when you go to the hardware store. And so I'm driving up. I'm in a hurry. And I see this guy walking out. And he's a rough looking guy. Um, I've been around addicts pretty much my whole life. And I, I, I judge him. I assess him from head to toe. And I say, well, he's obviously tweaking. He's using something. And, uh, and he, he's walking in. So I'm driving up. As I'm parking, he's walking out, and I walk past him, and he says, hey, how are you doing today? And I say, pretty good. And because I'm in a hurry, and I've already judged him, I don't got time to talk to him, right? Which, in this area, like, you, you not only do you say hi, but you stop and talk to people. And so, we're walking past each other. He says, hey, how are you doing? I say, I'm doing well, thank you. And I don't think I even said anything else. And he says, well, it's good to see you today, Pastor. And at that point, I kind of pause, right? I've never seen this guy before in my life, Right? <laughs> He knows who I am, but I'm in a hurry, and I've already judged him, so I keep walking, and he keeps walking, and then we're about maybe 50 yards away from each other, and, and, uh, and at, when he said, hey, how's, you know, when he recognized me as a pastor, I said, you know, so how's your day going at that point, point?" and he goes, well, not too good, and he said something about somebody taking his phone, and, uh, and he goes, so hopefully I won't see you in jail. And he, he must have known that I, I help out with the Bible study at the jail. And as I'm, I, I didn't stop the entire time because I had prejudged him. And as I'm walking inside, the Holy Spirit just convicted me. You missed an opportunity. You missed an opportunity to share the grace of God with somebody because you judged them. And I, I'll be honest with you, church, I don't do that often. I don't know why I did it there. In that moment, I said, God, would you forgive me? Would you somehow, someway, get somebody to share the grace of Jesus Christ? So whatever that guy's struggling with, he doesn't have to struggle with it. I miss an opportunity to tell somebody about the freedom in Jesus Christ and take away the worries of his day because I had judged him. And so we have an inclination to judge. And so Jesus isn't saying you're never going to judge somebody as long as there's sin present. We're going to struggle with the idea and the desire to judge. I mean, if anybody who's been married for longer than two days, like, you get it. Like, I, man, I want to judge my spouse if only they knew. Like, we get it. Anybody who has kids, if these kids were just better kids, if they didn't have my spouse's DNA, these kids 
would be phenomenal, right? We have a disposition to judge. As long as sin is present, we're going to want to judge. We're going to naturally want to judge. But we know the heart of Jesus Christ when he says you don't have to judge. So practically, why would we want to judge? Or why wouldn't we want to judge? You see, Jesus has taken the weight of judgment off of us. And I hope you see the love in that. I want to read Romans 10 here real quick. Romans 14, verses 10 through 13 with you. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment, of, the judgment seat of God. Do you see that? Everybody, you and me. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on another any longer. So Jesus has this idea of judgment. It's, it's in the past tense, right? He's saying don't do it anymore. And we don't have to do it anymore. Because Jesus has taken the weight of judgment off of us. If the idea of judgment exists because of the reality of the existence of sin, what Jesus is doing is he's taking a painful experience off of us and he's putting it on himself. Uh, a couple months ago, Colby broke his arm. My, my seven-year-old boy broke his arm. And I watched as he was on his knees, hunched over in pain, screaming and crying. And in that moment, I would have done anything in the world to trade places with him. If I could have broken my arm and healed his arm, I would have done it in a heartbeat. Not even, wouldn't even have thought, like not even a millisecond. It just would have been instant. I would have taken his pain off and put it on myself. And what Jesus has done is he's taken the pain of judgment off of you and me, and he's put it on himself. And so when we read that text, because Romans 14 is a weighty text, isn't it? The judgment seat of God. There's an anxiety about that, isn't there? Not if you're a believer. There's no anxiety because Jesus has taken the weight of that situation off of us. Remember, he just talked about anxiety, and then he talks about judgment. And so Jesus is saying, you are my sons and you are my daughters. If you believe the truth that I hung on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, the judgment seat of God can exist for you today. There is one person whom God says you can judge. One person. Do you know who that person is? It's yourself. Let's read. Let's read 3 and 5. It says, we're skipping ahead for those of you guys running the slides. So why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Do you see that? He's saying, let's do some self-assessment here. Let's see what's in your heart. Let's judge who and what you are. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So there's one person that we judge today, and that's ourselves. But not in a sense in a condemning way, just in an honest way. What's in my heart? How am I today? Do I have a disposition to judge other people? Do I have a desire to want to see people judged? Is there something within me that wants to see the criminal receive the punishment they deserve? Are those things that we say yes to, then we need to run to the cross of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, you're the true judge. You're the one who is, you're, you're the, the authority here. You're the judge who's going to look upon the world. You're the one that every tongue is going to confess, Lord, to. You are the authority giver, not me. 
but you're also the one who has taken the pain and the hurt off of me, and you have set me free from the experience of judgment. And I can practically know that today because I can possess the ability to not judge other people. As long as sin is present, judgment will exist. When we stand before Jesus Christ someday and we are in his kingdom, Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, there's no longer any judgment. It's finito. It's final. It's done. It's over with. And we can be assured of that reality today by the ability to not judge people. And so Jesus is saying, there's something within you. Let's be honest, man. It's grotesque. Like there's a redwood sticking out of your eye. When you turn, it's smacking people. It's hurting people. This is so bad. Like you can't even see what you're doing. He's saying, deal with that, right? Let's be worried with you. How are you before the Savior? How are you before the the judge? Because what we want to do is we want to stand in righteous judgments of other people and look down on them so we can say, how could they live like that? And we are such a good person. Do you see what we're really doing there? What we're really doing when we judge other people is we're concealing and we're trying to hide. We're trying to deny who we really are. When we judge other people, when we pass judgment, what we're really trying to say, what we're really trying to do is not hurt anymore. We're trying to receive some type of reward, some type of righteousness by putting other people down and by judging them. We're trying to say, we're trying to be our own savior. But we don't have to be our own savior. If we trust in Jesus, we can say, you know what, Jesus, man, I don't want the weight of being a judge. I don't want that. Do you you understand if you had to be a judge, the weight of that? I've been in courtrooms. I don't know how many court cases I've sat through. Um, not a whole lot, but maybe, you know, maybe a couple dozen, something like that. And one job I would never want is to be the judge. I wouldn't. How do you know? You got this person saying this, this person saying this, and the idea, the, the, the concept of a judge is to kind of be, you know, not to believe anybody, anything. And so you hope this person's saying the truth and you hope this person's saying the truth. And so there's a lot of weight to being a judge. And what if you get it wrong? Like, what if you sent an innocent person to jail and let the condemned go free? And it should have been the other way around. Do you know how weighty it would be to be a judge? Do you know how much work it would be to be a judge? Do you know how many sleepless nights you would have to be a judge? And Jesus is saying, you don't have to worry about any of that because he's the judge. And what we need right now is a Savior to set us free from the idea of judgment, to set us free from the weight that we might carry to judge other people. Because if we're judging other people, what we're doing is we're functionally cutting ourselves off from relationships. Relationships that might be good, relationships that might be bad. And so Jesus is saying, man, take the sin out of your life, but how do you take it out? Well, we run to our Savior, right? And so we pray to him. We ask him, hey, would you help me to take the sin out of my life? Would you take this redwood out of my eye? Could I experience functionally the grace and the humility of Jesus Christ that would humble me so that I don't have a disposition to want to judge other people? What we're really saying is, Jesus, would you help me to heal so that I don't judge, right? Because if we're predispositioned to judge because of sin, we're going to look upon people in a negative light. Does that make sense? Do we get, are we, are we being honest? Like, we're hardwired because of sin to judge people. And if you don't believe me, hang out with people who don't look like you, who don't talk like you, who don't act like you. Some of you guys are like, I don't know. Adults, hang out with teenagers for a bit and see if you're not predisposed to judge, all right? You're going to be like, ah, oh, kids these days, 
They don't put their smartphone down. They're walking around. There's three of them. They're all on the phone. We're predisposed to judge. We have a concept or an idea of the way we want people to live. And if, we, if they live the way we do, we're going to feel better about it. And so Jesus is saying, I've taken the weight of judgment upon you. You don't have to do it. Take the speck that is out of your eye. And so Jesus, in his grace, has set us free. But here's the thing. I think the people that Jesus might be talking to, if we're honest, are probably the people who have followed him for 5, 10, 20 years. The people who I have found that are less likely to judge people are people who've just come to Jesus Christ. They're like, man, what Jesus has done in my life is incredible. I sinned. I did this. I did that. I did that. And so when we get a few years down the road, if we, if we believe in the impact of the gospel, we believe that Jesus died on the cross, right? Amen? Amen. And we believe that through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus' power, that we can be healed. We can be set free from the consequences, that we're being made into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So we're healing. We're being conformed to a Christ-likeness. So there's something good that's stirring in our heart that's happening, right? And so as we get down the road a little bit, what happens is we kind of get cleaned up. And as we get cleaned up, what begins to happen is we forget the way we looked yesterday. You know, one of the things I find as um, I get further down the road in my relationship with Jesus Christ, is people look at me today, and they say, that's the way you've always been. And there's a part of me that wants to say, amen, you're right. Man, I've got a a gorgeous wife, four kids. Uh, I'm able to serve Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're right. Man, it's always been good for me, right? Like I want to take that righteousness, and I want to own it. I don't lack the humility sometimes to say, you know what? You're you're honest. So what I have to do is combat the reality that I'm not today who I have always been. That I I came out of an addictive home and was becoming an addict to myself. That Jesus has set me free from an addiction to pornography. I don't want people to know that. I don't want people to see the messiness of my life. I want to take the righteousness that they're giving me because when I share my story with them, what it does is it humbles me. And so if we want to not judge people, one of the practical ways is to share your story. But be honest. Don't filter it. This is what Jesus has done for me yesterday. Because here's the thing, church. You don't have to experience sin today to be humble today so that you don't judge people. You can have Jesus' grace today and not have to sin today and not judge people. And one of the beautiful ways to do that is just simply share your story. Share your story with people who don't know Jesus yet. People that don't look like you, who don't act like you, that would be surprised to learn you were who you were and who you are today are different. And so Jesus has taken me out of a lifestyle and put me in a lifestyle. And the way I combat the idea or the the, the desire to judge people is to say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to humble myself. I'm going to share my story with people. I'm going to tell them what Jesus has done so that he gets the glory and I don't. And so when Jesus is saying, don't judge people, take the speck out of your eye, what he's saying is there's a human wrestle here, right? There's a human wrestle to want to judge, if we're honest. And it's going to be most profound as we, as we grow. Some of the most judgmental people, I love you guys, so please don't take it this way. Some of the most judgmental people are those who have followed Jesus for years. I, I just confess, I judged the guy walking out of the store. 15 years ago, I'm probably with him, right? 15, I mean, we're walking out of the store together, and I judged him. So, so 
those who have followed Jesus are probably most tempted to want to judge. So we run to the grace that Jesus gives. We run to the cross. And so Jesus is saying something pretty profound when he says, don't judge. And we can say, you know what, I'm not going to judge because Jesus has set me free from judgment. But he, I think Jesus understands where he's going with this. He understands that some people might mistake judgment for discernment. He understands that some people might try to abuse the idea to not judge. And so he says in verse 6, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. And it looks like what Jesus does is he's talking about judgment, and then he just kind of turns a corner here, takes a bunny trail. But that's not what he's doing here. Because what could happen is we could say, you know what? Jesus said, don't judge anything. I'm not going to judge anything at all. But that's not what Jesus is. He's, he's saying, don't judge the person. But he's saying, he's not saying, don't discern the evil in the world. And so Jesus is saying here in this verse, he's using an illustration. Dogs were some of the most disgusting, aggressive, vile animals. They weren't like the domestic, fluffy puppies that we love today. These were animals that would rip your hand off. And so Jesus is taking a very vicious animal of his day, and then he's taking a, the most disgusted or despised animal, a pig, and he's, he, he's saying, which I, I, I love bacon. I'm just going to be honest with you. And so <laughs> it's hard for me to wrap my hand around pigs being bad. It just, and, uh, and ribs. So I, I struggle with that. So it's not, for me, it's not, the idea of pigs being bad doesn't really connect. But I get what Jesus is saying. He's saying pigs are dirty. They're filthy animals. So he's taking uh, a, a, a ferocious animal and a dirty animal, and he's saying don't invest. Don't invest your time or your life in areas that you're going to be consistently hurt. Don't invest in places where evil is present and all that's going to happen is you're going to waste your time. Church, if Satan can get you to waste your time, if he can cause you to be hurt today so that you're a step back tomorrow, he'll do it. And the way he does that sometimes is in a deceptive way. Our struggle isn't between good and bad, although that's, that's how it is, right? A lot of times it's between good and good. And so Jesus is saying, you need to be people who don't judge, but you need to be wise people that know how to discern the situation. When someone's trying to hustle you, you need to recognize when someone's trying to hustle you. I'll give you, I'll give you a hypothetical here, maybe to try to help you, because what Jesus is saying here is pretty profound. Jesus isn't saying invest everywhere. He's not saying don't judge everything. He's saying have some discernment. Don't judge the person. Love the person. Point them to Jesus Christ, but recognize and discern what is, do, do we understand what discern is? That's kind of a, okay, amen, all right. Um, so let me give you a hypothetical here. You have a new neighbor that moves in. Um, you like this new neighbor. You guys are chatting for a little bit, and you go, man, I feel like we've really known each other for a long time. We've, we're connecting. Um, like, you know, how sometimes when you meet somebody, and in that moment, you're like, man, I feel like we've known each other for a, a really long time. And so you guys, you hit it off with this new neighbor, and you decide to have your neighbor over and their spouse for dinner. You hit it off, it goes well, and, you know, a few months go by, you've grilled out a few different times together, and you're talking to your neighbor one time at one of your, your cookouts, and your neighbor says, man, the water heater just went out, finances are tough, and I don't have any money. Uh, your neighbor turns to you and says, hey, could I, could I borrow some cash to get the water heater back up and going? And you say, well, I'm really not a fan of loaning people money, because we know what the Bible says about that, but I'll give you the money. And so your neighbor says, oh, wow, that's awesome. So you give your neighbor the money, and uh, your neighbor goes and gets a new water heater, and you go, man, that's okay. This is, this is a sweet thing. Jesus is doing something that's powerful in here. 
And then a week later, uh, after you just gave your number, your neighbor 500 bucks, maybe $1,000, I don't know. Um, you see your neighbor pull into the, the driveway with this brand new boat. And uh, you don't have a boat, you don't even have a canoe. And so you're like, man, I just saved up and gave, but you're, you just go, you know what? Um, I, I gave it to him as a gift. There were no strings attached. So the way they spend their money is the way they spend it. They didn't have it a week ago, so I'll just let them spend money, say how they spend it. I'll just, I'll write that off. So then you have your neighbor over again, and you're chatting with your neighbor. You're working in the yard together, and your neighbor says, hey, I've really been wrestling with something. And you say, sure, what's that? They go, well, I've been, I've been cheating on my spouse. And you say, well, you know, I really appreciate you being honest with me for sharing that. And you, you have a, a mindset from where the Bible says, and so you say, you know what, man, I just want to encourage you to be faithful to your spouse. I just want to encourage you maybe to go home and tell your spouse, confess to your spouse your actions. And at that point, your neighbor gets mad. He says, don't, don't, don't tell me what to do. Don't, don't judge me, right? And so um, your neighbor says to you, I, but I don't want you to tell my spouse. And so your neighbor storms off and goes home. And so now you've you got to wrestle, right? Because you know your neighbor is cheating on their, their spouse. And so you're like, man, what, what should I do with this? And so uh, a few weeks go by, and you're, you're chatting with your neighbor. Uh, you still like them. You know they're making some bad decisions. They're not the best with money. They're obviously not the best spouse. And they come over and they say, hey, I'm running late for work today, and um, uh, my car broke down. Could I borrow your car? And you say, sure. Yeah, you know what? I got the day off, so go ahead and borrow my car. So you loan your car out, and they come back uh, 10 hours later, and you can tell that they've eaten Jimmy John's and maybe stopped at Taco Bell on the way home. Car has got that smell to it, right? That, and so you, you're kind of upset for the way they brought it back, and you're not too sure if you should say something or not. But you let it go because you love your neighbor, and you're trying to serve Jesus. And you're trying to have open hands and freely give that which Jesus has given to you. And you find out, um, you're talking to your, your neighbor's spouse, and you find out that he actually or she didn't have to work. And so you start wondering, where were you really at for 10 or 12 hours? And then your neighbor tells you that they were actually with the person they were having an affair with. So you go, you used my car to drive to have an affair. And so now you've got a, a deeper wrestle here. And you go, man, what, what should I do? Should I tell the spouse? This is starting to, it's eating away at you. You got the boat, you got the car, you got, you got all this stuff you're starting to wrestle with. And then... Your neighbor says, hey, your spouse is really good at fixing stuff. Uh, would, you, would, your spouse, would your spouse be willing to come over and help them fix it? And you're thinking at this point, man, I don't know. Because you just found out that their spouse is going out of town. And so do you let your spouse go over and fix their something at their house while their spouse is out of town? Yes or no? Because Jesus says to give freely, Right? So hopefully by this point, you've discerned and you recognize, I can't give that which is good to those that will trample it. And so I'm surely not going to put my spouse in a position to be trampled. So you're going to steward your relationship with your spouse and you're going to say no. And so Jesus is saying one of the most healthy things you can do is use the word no in serving him. So we have to be people who recognize that Satan will try to tie up our resources. He'll try to take our time and our talents. We'll try to do it in such a way that we don't initially recognize it. You're going to make mistakes. Everybody could have made a mistake that first time. You could have bought that new water heater for him a week later, seen him with the boat. But there's warning signs that start to pop up. And so we have to be people who would discern the situation. We want to serve freely and give that which Jesus has given to us 
We want to do it in a wise way. We want to love people and not judge them. And so there's, there are situations where we say, man, I'm, I love you, but I can't. I, you're going to be the bad guy in that situation, but you've got to be willing to do it. And so I want to leave us here today with a few practicals. If we say, you know what, man, I, I want to be able to discern. Um, I want to be able to serve Jesus. I, I don't want to judge people. I want to have a heart of compassion. So how do we do that? I would leave this, these three practical ways with you. There's more than these three, but... I don't want to sit here and hammer you guys with a bunch so you forget them. The first one is you got to spend time with Jesus. It's not a coincidence that right after this in, in verse 7, as Jesus continues, he talks about prayer. So if you spend time with Jesus, he'll rub off on you. His nature and his character, his wisdom will rub off on you. And so if we want to be people who aren't judgmental, if we want to be people who ha- real, have the anxiety of judgment revo- removed from us, then we have to be people who spend time with Jesus Christ. Amen? The next practical thing is you got to be people of prayer. If we're not people of prayer, if we're not people who open his word, then we can't have any hope in this. We can't have the wisdom and discernment to say, you know what? We're going to serve Jesus fruitfully and not have our lives tied up. We're going to serve Jesus in such a way that we can feel the grace and freedom in knowing that our judgment is received by him. He got the punishment. So when we stand before God someday at the judgment seat, we can say, I know him, Jesus Christ. He has already received that, which I rightfully deserve. And so the practical thing for us, if we don't want to be people who judge people, is be people of prayer. You can't come out of a a time of prayer and have a heart where you could. But if we're consistent in prayer, then we'll have a heart that's being cultivated like Jesus Christ. The third practical one, and this one's going to be challenging, is spend time with people that aren't in your circle. Spend time with people who don't look like you, who don't act like you, and tell your story to them, practically. And church, if I can lean in a little bit here, if I can press in this week, would you be willing to share your story maybe twice this week with people who don't, you might be comfortable, and and don't filter it. Be honest with them. When you experience the humility of that profession, when you confess to them that you stood before Jesus as a criminal, that when you stood before the judge and you tried yourself, if you will, and you found yourself guilty of the sins that he said that we committed, you received the grace that he's given you. Confess and be honest with them. Say, this is a situation that should outrage the world, that the righteous is condemned and the guilty are set free. But I stand here today telling you my story that even though I am guilty, I have been set free because of the work and person of Jesus Christ. And so we share our story with people. And the more we do that, the less judgmental we'll be. Try it and see if it doesn't work. Church, I, I love you. And my hope for each of you is that in the grace of Jesus Christ, a heart of love and compassion for your neighbor is being cultivated. And that as we're serving our neighbor, we're seeing, you know what, we live in a fallen and broken world. And yes, Jesus said, don't judge, but he said, be wise, and we're investing. And so if we're going to give ourselves the freedom to invest, we'll give ourselves the freedom to fail. I think that's why Jesus said, verse 6, it's because we're going to fail. And when we fail, we're not going to judge ourselves. And we're going to come to a time of communion here in just a minute. And before we do, I want to pray. But as we pray, just let it sink in, church. If you're the criminal who's being let off the hook, If somebody sat in your courtroom, they would be livid. They would be absolutely livid. That's the story that we have. Jesus has taken the judgment off of us, and he's put it on himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for the work that Jesus has done. 
We thank you that on the cross you took our punishment. We thank you that, uh, Lord, you did what we couldn't do. You stood before the Father, perfect and righteous. Lord, but you didn't take that which was good and keep it for yourself. You gave it to us. You've invited us into a relationship with you. You have invited us into, Lord, a seat where we can commune with you. Lord, I thank you for the person that you are. I just can't, I'm just blown away by the merciful judge that you are. That you've said, hey, the pattern in which you judge is the pattern in which I'll judge you. The measure in which you measure is the way that I'll be measured, Lord. I just pray for each of us here that we would say, you know what, we're not going to take up the power and authority to judge because you alone are the perfect judge. We're going to let you do that, and we're going to live in the freedom and the grace that you've given us. Lord, I pray that we would be people who would share that freedom and that grace, that we would step into life and patterns of humility so, Lord, we wouldn't be prone to judgment. I pray that people, as they know the City Life family, they would say, man, these people are people who are graceful. There are people who love Jesus, who profess the gospel of Jesus Christ fervently, but they don't do it from an uprighteousness. They don't do it from a judgmental heart. They do it from a heart of compassion and a heart of love. Lord, I pray that you would cultivate within us a love for one another so we could be a family. I pray for for us that as we're formed and fitted as a body of Christ, that, uh, Lord, you would be at work in that. I thank you that we were able to worship you here today. I thank you for your work. Lord, we love you so much. I thank you that you have set us free. We praise you in Jesus' name.